For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Beaulieu. In today's purpose movement, large legacy companies often are considered second fiddle players to small social good brands. But increasingly, that perception is changing among U.S. consumers. In the latest Purpose Power Index, presented by Strawberry Frog and Dinata, 16 of the top 20 brands are mainstream companies. They include Toyota, Wegmans, Pfizer, General Electric, and Google. The annual study, comprised of more than 20,000 individual ratings from over 5,500 U.S. consumers and employees, found that rank-and-file workers rate their own company's commitment to purpose substantially lower than senior management. The study points to a lack of clarity, communication, and activation as the main reasons why purpose is not trickling down to all levels of the business. To discuss the study in more detail, I am joined by Chip Walker, head of strategy at Strawberry Frog. For nearly 25 years, the company has helped clients activate purpose for competitive advantage through its movement thinking approach. Chip, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation too. So Chip, off the top, half of the top 20 brands in the Purpose Power Index are newcomers. Did you find that surprising? And what does that tell you about the state of the purpose movement? Uh, well, surprising, I say yes and no. Um, no, in the sense that, you know, this is the third year we've done this study. We did mm-hmm. it in 2019, right before the pandemic. We did it in the middle of the pandemic during 2021. And uh, we just did it in the spring with whatever we call this now, hopefully as we're exiting the pandemic, I hope. But uh, anyway, we've done this three years in a row and we've seen um, a fair amount of change. In the first year that we did it, um, I think in your intro, you mentioned we saw a lot of social good brands were raised to the top, like Seventh Generation and Tom's and and right. um, method, uh, which was not surprising. During the pandemic, we saw major shifts with a lot of pandemic-oriented brands and 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 uh, related brands like Clorox mm-hmm. and um, some of the pharma companies raising up. But it was a big shift, and I, I, as you know, I'm sure from looking at brand tracking studies uh, over the years, brand tracking is usually boring because it doesn't change very much. But it just appeared to us in you know year one and year two, purpose shifted a fair amount. It seemed to be really sensitive to what was going on in culture. And sure enough, this year, we saw another big shift. So yes, some of the social good brands are still near the top. Right. Yes, some of the pandemic brands are still doing well. But we've really seen a lot of mainstream uh, large corporations uh, raise up, that which, which you mentioned, brands like GE, brands like Google, brands like Toyota and Roche. Mm-hmm which you know are are very large and some of which have always not been thought of as being very purposeful so i i think what we we're just seeing is from 2019 to 21 to 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 this year we've just seen a more mainstreaming of this whole purpose idea so what do you believe is driving that how are these companies these mainstream companies changing the perceptions of consumers yeah, I think it's several things. I think there's both uh, things that are going on, on the company side and things that are going on, on the consumer side. You know, first of all, you know, consumers have been at home for a couple of years absorbing news about everything, including companies. And there just seems to be a growing awareness of what companies are doing in all kinds of things, particularly around issues. Um, and a growing expectation that companies are expected to kind of pull their own weight in, in society. But on the company side, uh, and I think this is one of the reasons some of the larger companies are, are moving up our list, is that companies are making a bigger effort. 
there are folks dedicated to, to thinking about um, how are we activating and living our purpose. They're doing communications. They're making sure that the actions that they are taking are better known and understood. And then, then, of course, there are just sort of some trends that I think are helping some companies. Like in automotive, Toyota did really well in our study. After being kind of middle to middle of the list for a couple of years, um, but I think everything's being pulled up for the automotive category in our in our study by the focus on electronic uh, electric vehicles sure. EVs. You know, Tesla has been way up our list all three years, and I think they've really been known for EV. Toyota, despite the Prius, I don't know, has always gotten credit for for mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. with consumers' increased sensitivity, watching the news, not only Toyota moved up into the top twenty. But GM did dramatically better than it did a couple of years ago. So did Ford, um, with a lot of news that they put around out around their their move to toward towards EVs, or at least that's our hypothesis as to why people are rating them better. So, you know, so as I said, I think there are a bunch of factors contributing to this more mainstreaming of uh, of purpose perception. But it sounds like they're doing a great job of marketing and promoting their efforts, which you know in the past that wasn't necessarily the case, and I, I would assume. They're also making a bigger effort to gain sort of consensus uh, internally, getting buy-in um, from from all levels of the organization. Yeah, listen, I don't know the internal politics at Ford or GM, but I can only imagine mm-hmm. that it wasn't an easy sell for them to say, "Oh, we're getting out of certain vehicle lines and we're going to go electric and all that." That had to be a big, big shift for them internally to for everybody to get behind. Absolutely. So seventh generation, which you mentioned, has held the number one position in your index since its inception in 2019. So what is the what is that company doing right uh, that others can certainly learn from? They've done great. I mean, they were purpose born, really. Right. Right. Uh, which not everyone has that uh, that luxury, but but having said that, there are purpose-born brands who have stumbled, and not only are they purpose-born, but they they seem to just hit on all cylinders. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean we've identified uh, through three years of of analysis. So so not only do we ask in this study of the public um, help us uh, on on several questions rate how purposeful you believe this company is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we also ask a bunch of diagnostic questions to try to understand well what's what's driving that we ask about do you think they make uh, purposeful products and services do you think that they do things for the environment do you think that they treat their employees well do they treat customers well How about communities philanthropy do they get involved in issues that you care about and take a stand so we asked all those questions. We did statistical analysis each year to figure out what the drivers of purpose perception are, and they've been pretty consistent. And uh, we've sort of uh, narrowed it down to four that statistically seem to correlate to if you do these things, your purpose score is going to be higher. And they are sort of in this order of importance, product. So are you do you make purposeful products, services, and innovations? Planet, do you operate uh, sustainably and produce things sustainably? People. How do you treat your customers? How do you treat employees? How do you treat communities? Uh, and then the last one's positive change. So, you know, advocating for fairness, equality, taking on meaningful social issues, uh, you know, a little bit more in the social activism sphere. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, statistically, it's sort of in that order of importance to people, Plan- mm-hmm. product, planet, people, positive change. What you see with seventh generation is that they are strong on all four of those uh, and particularly on product and planet. But I think with seventh generation, you know, their purpose is that, you know, they're on a mission to transform the world. I mean, I'm paraphrasing into like kind of a healthy and sustainable and equitable place for the next seven generations. Mm -hmm. So 
purpose is kind of built into their name. So you kind of can't miss it. So, I mean, they're, they're a poster child for getting everything right. I, mm-hmm. I think that's the bottom line. Now, having said that, you know, we had a lot of questions because, you know, it's not the world's hugest business. I think it's a billion or two in sales, which is not insignificant, and they've certainly grown it. But, but again, anyway, to answer your question, I think that's why they do so well. Those four factors that you mentioned, have you seen those flip-flop over the past three years? Or has it been pretty consistent in terms of the pecking order? It's been pretty consistent. The interesting one is that the what we're calling positive change, which is basically social activism, has consistently been at the bottom of importance, and product has been consistently at the top. Because right. uh, I just think products and services are probably the easiest thing for people to get to see that you're purposeful. So one of the things that we counsel folks on is that if you're if you want to go out and be seen as purposeful, you probably don't want to start with social activism. Because I think what can happen is if you do a ton of social activism, but people look at like how you're treating the planet and how you're and your products, and they don't see any connection to being purposeful, it can be a big disconnect, and you can appear um, disingenuous. Mm-hmm. I suspect I don't know this, but I suspect that that's going on. What's going on in our study with a brand like Nike, who is kind of in the middle of our 200 brands, which mm-hmm. I, had always surprised me. They get very strong scores on positive change but not so much on things like product and planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I just, I, I think when the story doesn't add up for people, they don't rate you as highly as uh, overall as being purposeful. Well, speaking of brands that aren't rated as highly right now, SpaceX in particular saw a major fall from grace, dropping to number 61 on the purpose index from number three in 2021. Did that surprise you? What do you think happened there? Yeah, I was very interested to see. I wasn't sure what to expect. I figured they would either stay very high or or drop. But as I said, it appears that this purpose metric we've created um, and validated that it is sense. It seems to be sensitive to the new cycle and to things going on in culture. And uh, our sense of probably what happened with SpaceX is that you know during the pandemic in 2021, when they they came in at number three, we were seeing in the news things like that, you know, stories that were almost saying like, well, they're sort of taking over from NASA. Uh, their purpose is about um, something. To, I'll paraphrase. It's like mm-hmm. making humanity interplanetary. And it's sort of like, well, if, if NASA's not taking us to the moon and Mars, maybe Elon Musk will. And so right. I think people were really excited about that and thought, you know, maybe this is going to be really cool. But, but you know, I think the reality may be set in in the last year when you read about um, SpaceX, you know, they're taking satellites up for money run by a billionaire, maybe as a hobby or something. Or I, I, I don't know. I, I think that some of the news that we were hearing was more, it was just a little more realistic. And um, I just think that maybe for SpaceX, the bloom is off the rose. I also tend to think that it's possible that Elon Musk's personal brand and persona Mm -hmm. in the last year may not have helped a lot since he's so strongly associated with that brand. Sure, that's a really good point. As you know, consumers highly rate companies that take stands on social issues, but not all companies in the index benefited from their advocacy efforts. So would you say that that's a result of a misalignment between the company and the social issue? Um, is it flat out purpose washing, which we hear so much about, or is it something else at play? I think the big one is the misalignment between the company's business and, and the social issue, particularly mm-hmm. if it's a controversial social issue. 
I think what we've seen is that, you know, in the work that we do, not only with the Purpose Power Index, but just also in, with the clients that we work with, um, is that the public is much more likely to want to go along with a company's activism if the public understands why it matters to the company and its business. Right, right. Even if they don't agree with the stand, at least if they say, okay, I kind of see why they're doing that, that, that probably makes sense for them. An example, UPS, you know, we had Laura Lane, who's the head of, I think, corporate affairs and marketing for UPS on, on our podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they score very well in the Purpose Power Index. Um, and, um, you know, they've taken a stand on racial equality issues. But it's interesting, and they've been public about it. They've not seemingly not received much of a backlash about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I asked Laura about it, um, she said, we're not red or blue, we're brown. And by that, she meant we did this because it's it's part of our values. Um, and they happen to have a lot of drivers, for example, who are people of color for whom this is an important issue for their health and, and well-being. So she said we decided that it was important to us and and here's why. So I think they've been straightforward about why they're involved in it. Uh, and I, I think it made a lot of sense to people. And and so, so off they went and it's been helpful to them without having that kind of backlash. So, so as I said, when, when people can see that connection between who you are, what you believe in, what you do, how you make money even, and this issue, I think they're more likely to to be accepting of it. That said, there is some perceived opportunism that I think people see. I mean, we just mentioned the Nike example. And listen, I I don't work with Nike, and I'm sure that they have great intentions. But you do hear folks ask, well, you know, if you really do support Black Lives Matter, what's the racial composition of your employees? Mm -hmm. How about the board? Um, you know, when you start digging deeper, uh, and you know, you start to hear things where you know it, their story may not completely add up. So, so I think the big issue is making sure it's tied to your business, but at the same time, I think you got to make sure that you don't have holes in your in your overall purpose story. So it sounds to me like what you're suggesting is to stay in your swim lane, correct? <laughs> A little bit. As I said, I think it has to make sense for you and where you're coming from. It's seemingly coming out of nowhere. Like I always tell this story about a brand. I hate to pick on them. I I think they've moved off on it. But there was this brand from um, Planters, the the nut brand Mm -hmm. called Nutrition. And they were all about, they made TV commercials about being about equal pay for women. And, and when they were asked why, they said, because unfair pay is nuts. That was the connection. So, you know, they got lambasted for that because people are like, this. Does, listen, it's please, yes, do pay women equally. But couldn't you land on something that made a little bit more sense? <laughs> exactly. you know? So, so I, I think that's part of the issue with, with uh, social activism is it's got to make sense from where you're coming from. Hello, Beyond Profit listener. If your business is finding it challenging to define its purpose, I encourage you to download Discovering Brand Purpose, a complimentary playbook from the ANA Center for Brand Purpose. This robust playbook provides valuable advice from purpose experts on how to uncover the why of your business and ensure it's authentic and sustainable. You can download the playbook at ana.net slash brand purpose. That's ana.net slash brand purpose. Now back to the show.
As I mentioned at the at the top, your study identified a purpose gap in employee perception of working for a purposeful company. So talk a little bit about what you learned and what companies need to do to close that gap. Yeah, yeah. So this was the fascinating newest part of the study. Um, over the past couple of years, we've had uh, several clients and potential clients come to us asking how they could activate purpose internally with their with their folks, mm-hmm. just because it it seemed like there was a bit of a disconnect between just announcing a purpose and getting it all the way through the organization. Right. So we were hearing that, and it, it made me think, okay, well, why don't we add an aspect to this study? So you know, we, each year we talk to between five and six thousand people. A lot of them are employed. So we just thought, why don't we take a sub sample, a rep sample of of our respondents who are employed, mm-hmm. either full or part time, across industries, make sure it's a representative group of employed people, and let's ask them um, to rate their own company's purpose on the same things that we have them rate, you know, brands like Seventh Generation or UPS or whatever. Uh, And then we asked them some other questions just about, um, you know, their loyalty to the company, how they felt about the company, did they, uh, some of the diagnostic questions I mentioned, are they being communicated to, are they clear on it, et cetera. And what we found um, pretty much mirrored the problems that we found clients were coming to us with, which is basically that uh, we sort of divided people broadly by level into senior management, middle management, Mm -hmm. frontline workers, and junior staff. Now, there are many other, you know, uh, ways you could, uh, there's a lot more detail in terms of people's levels, but those were the basic groups from top Mm -hmm. all the way to junior staff. And what we saw just is that there's, um, purpose is failing to trickle down. It's people are most engaged and uh, most clearly understand the company's purpose and believe in it at the very top of the company in senior management. And particularly among younger people, millennials in senior management. Though they, they tend to be believers and engaged and feel like the company's doing a great job. And so they've drunk the Kool-Aid, so to speak. But as you go down each level to middle management, frontline workers, and then down to junior staff, you get lower and lower and lower responses on clarity of even knowing what it is, a feeling like the company is actually living it. Uh, are they even communicating it to you? Um, so I, I just think it's a failure to trickle down. Right. And what we weren't seeing necessarily is a ton of cynicism or I don't believe this or I think this is a bad idea or anything like that. It was just... Um, you know, I think it's a little bit like the telephone game where you start out and by the time you get through down to junior management, they've lost the plot. They just, it's not reaching them. Mm-hmm. So so the good news with this is that I think it's eminently fixable. And, um, you know, the problem that, that clients come to us with, I think, is that sometimes the purpose, the way it's stated can be very, very lofty. You know, we had a bank once whose purpose was called lighting the way to financial well-being. That sounds great, but if I'm a bank teller, do I really know, even if I've heard it, yeah. I really know what to do with that. So a lot of our work, and this this whole uh, thing about the, the purpose gap between mass employees and senior management, the whole thing is, is to try to arm the company with a way of talking about and acting on a purpose that's easy for employees to understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and we call that's that's our movement thinking um, approach, mm-hmm. which uh, I don't have to go into now. You know, Scott and I wrote a, a book about this, but but anyway, so the purpose gap research that we just did, I think, just pointed out with numbers that this problem is real and it's uh, it's happening seemingly everywhere in corporate America. 
Right. So <laughs> I have to ask you, uh, Chip. Okay, the, the purpose movement's made some incredible strides over the past few years. We're still talking about this lack of buying across the organization. And you know, you mentioned that maybe the purpose isn't right or is not easily understood. But are there other reasons why this continues to be an issue and we continue to talk about it? Yeah, so um, well, I think it's a huge issue because um, the customers and the public are only going to buy into you being a purposeful company if they, they experience it when they yeah. do, both when you communicate to them more broadly and certainly when they do business with you. And I think the problem is when purpose is just something that makes senior management feel really good, but it's not really reaching frontline workers, then I think that starts to uh, contribute to this credibility problem a lot of right. companies have around purpose with the announcements they make. Then you go to do business with them and it's sort of like, eh, just a regular company. So, um, so, so I, I think getting the entire organization aligned, the reason being is that I, I think it can give you the credibility you need uh, to actually be seen as, 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 as walking the walk. Uh, mm -hmm. on, on Great insight. Another key takeaway from the study, Chip, is that, quote, purpose matters only when consumers act on it, end quote. Is that fact often overlooked? I, to me, purpose matters. It's less when consumers act on it. It's more when the company acts on it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that there's this action issue that I was talking about earlier where purpose can be lofty. The company doesn't know how to act on it. So um, we can't really ask consumers to act on it when the company doesn't even know how to act on it. So, so that's, as I said, kind of why we, we love this idea of movement thinking because you know, people can't join, employees can't join in on a purpose, but they can join a movement inspired by the purpose. Mm -hmm. So movement thinking just tries to help translate this lofty purpose into something that employees and consumers sort of know what to do with. I'd like to shift gears now away from, from the index. Recently, there's been some news and studies that suggest that shoppers are shifting their priorities from purpose to price, no doubt in response to inflation. Does that concern you long-term? No, to be honest with you. You know, there are very few good things about being old. Uh, but one of, the, one of the good things is that you've lived through several business cycles. You know, you see the ups and downs. And one thing we all know that have lived through it is that when inflationary times comes, when recessionary times comes, uh, there's often a focus that uh, comes more on value and price, which mm -hmm. makes total sense. That's what people are living. And it's always raises up. I mean, historically, that's raised attention between, well, are you going to support your brand or are you going to support like promotion and price? Right. And I think what we've learned over the years after going through recessions is that you, you can't really, especially in re recessionary times, you shouldn't neglect either. Mm -hmm. That brand is hugely important. If you neglect that in the long term, you're in trouble. Yep. Price is important, particularly in recessionary or inflationary times. If you neglect that, you're going to lose business. So I don't think it's an either. I think we've learned with brand and um, and, and price and value over the business cycles, you, you really got to keep your eyes on both things. I, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of data to support that. And I think the same thing is true with purpose. I think mm -hmm. purpose is kind of playing in and around the area that brand always has. It's probably just kind of lifting it up to a higher level. Right. Um, and um, do, do I think that 
during recessionary times, the marketing mix may need to change more towards price, value, promotion because of where people's pocketbooks are? Absolutely. Should you forget about being a purposeful organization? Or for that matter, your the the, your, the equity of your brand generally? No, I don't think so. That's going to hurt you when you're not in a recession. Lastly, uh, Chip, uh, Mark Pritchett, the global brand director for Procter and Gamble and uh, chair of the ANA board of directors, he recently intimated that in, in inflationary times, being a force for growth is perhaps more critical than being a force for good. They usually flip that around. I'd love to get your opinions on that observation, and does that run counter to what you're seeing from your clients? Yeah, I I don't think that there it's an either or situation. Okay. I, I assume he means by force for growth, like um, doing the kinds of things you would need to do to grow your revenue. Yes. Um, sort of thing. So so as I said, I don't think it's an either or thing. I think doing well and doing good can coexist. And if you're of the opinion that they can't coexist, then um, you know that this exploration of purpose is probably um, uh, you know useless. You know, because if you don't make money as a business, you know you're in trouble. But um, I believe, and and I feel like I'm not alone in this. I think there are a lot of people in C-suites across corporate corporate America that believe that doing well financially and doing good can go hand in hand. Because I think, you know, force for good is about your perceived motives. Mm -hmm. Like I might buy from you right now because you're a lower price, but long-term, if I don't trust you, and I think you're probably doing things that are bad for the company or for the country or the society or the world, long-term, I'm not going to want to continue doing business with you. When you think about dollar stores, yes, you can buy things very inexpensively there. And when the chips are down, maybe you got to shop there. Do you really believe that 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 is a relationship you want to have in your life long term? Is that good for your community? A, a lot mm-hmm. of people would probably say no. So, so I think you gotta you gotta continue to think about both things. Well, that's great perspective, Chip, and I can't thank you enough for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, Ken, I, I appreciate you having me here. You had some great questions today, and I hope at least some of it was 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 uh, enlightening, uh, at least a little bit. Absolutely. If you would like to learn more about the latest Purpose Power Index, please visit strawberryfrog.com. That's strawberryfrog.com. And if you'd like to recommend a speaker or a topic for this podcast, please email me at brandpurpose at ana.net. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>